0: Welcome to the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation podcast. In this episode, we answer our students' questions and share information about yoga therapy and meditation with the intention of creating a new paradigm in wellness. Today's episode is a recording taken directly from a live Q and A with Breathing Deeply founder Brant Pasalakwa and students inside our meditation program. In this first segment, Brant uses the towel to describe using water as an analogy for finding serenity in our mind.
1: <clears throat> so the the water analogy is a good one. We um, we tend to think has all the movement um, in our system and our minds as
2: as disturbing to our stillness or serenity that's kind of inside us. And that's because we our mind has a a slight misperception, right, that the slight
1: movements are the important part. Um, The text that kind of I think says talks about that most eloquently is the Tao. There's a lot, bunch of passages in there that basically are about um, finding serenity
2: in yourself, and and then the outside world doesn't basically bother you so much <laughs> if you kind of read through it. But the reason where we have a hard time getting there is is because we're
1: Confused about our our own nature from the get go,
2: and you know that serenity is is part of our nature. And in that text, it also talks about um, they're not really being
1: good and evil, and these sort of opposites that that we all identify. Right, this is good, and this is bad.
2: Um, which is really useful because you know the serenity comes from a place that's you know the good and evil comes out of that place that is serene Is one way you could read that text so all things emanate from the same source and there's one little line in that book i like so much which is um it basically says the the dao is inexhaustible and you can do whatever you want with it And, you know, at first it's like, okay, that's nice. But (laughs) um, I've always found that line like really powerful. It's, it's, there's a lot of freedom and choice in it. Um, And what the text talks about is that you can do anything you want with it. But of course, first you have to like identify what that even is and find your own serenity first. So I've always found that inspiring in terms of practice because it reminds us to. That's our first order of business
1: every day, is to find our serenity. And then the actions we take don't really change that. And we don't tend to look at things that way. We tend to think that the actions we take, right,
2: are responsible for everything. But, you know, in a lot of these texts, but especially that one, it's kind of pointing out that The serenity is there. The things that all, all the awfulness and great things that happen are born
1: out of is there. And um, to be centered in that is the practice. So seeing
2: ourselves as filled with water um, and seeing, you know, the same way you might gaze out into a body of water and see like the little ripples on the lake but you kind of have the knowledge that underneath that there isn't ripples it's a nice thing to do for ourselves from time to time
0: next brand discusses whether we should meditate on how we should meditate when we're sick
2: yeah i've got into the habit of just doing yoga nidra as my practice which is restorative and kind of takes the the pressure of you know, there's various focus in our seating med- seated meditations
1: that it's too hard when you're depleted, right? So you don't do it for a week. I mean, it doesn't really change much. Also another way of being present,
2: you know, when one gets ill, it's especially if you know it's temporary or think it's temporary, <laughs> don't really know anything. Um, <clears throat>
1: You know, there's this like sort of tendency to try to look outside of it instead of just hanging out with it. So that kind of yoga pre need practice is,
2: it's easier, right? To be present with what your current conditions are.
1: I'm someone who's sick and also someone who's lying down right now, right? <laughs> You always wanna be present-centered. The textile is that the, you know, the anxiety never stops until you're centered in that serenity, until you actually see things that way. And to,
2: to hack away at the symptoms all the
1: time isn't really the only practice you want to be doing. You know, you want to be looking directly at that which is you know permanent or unchangeable or serene at its source because otherwise you're always going to go back to worry as our as a human but it's easy to forget that right like i should do something about this worry i have (laughs) is the first thing we think when we get worried I should change it immediately. But what the texts keep trying to remind us is that we should pan back. It's different. Relax
2: into our, you know, natural awareness of the way things actually are.
0: The next question is, what is the difference between blocking out anxious thoughts and panning out to have an expanded awareness of those thoughts?
2: Well, it's like, that's more like a technique which works. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying don't do techniques that, that work, um, but practices that that bring you either into a very, very present state or, you know, it feels like when they're short or you haven't done them, like you're, you're things that remind you, right, of what yoga tells us is that, <laughs> what yoga tells us is, is there is a a permanence, and that's what, it's the same thing, the Tao's saying the same thing, is that there is a permanence, right? And that permanence is basically the matrix, right? It's it's the thing you're living in. And being in touch with that is the source of your own serenity. Like, that's the goal. And so you don't always want to see your anxiety as like a relative thing to that like I'm anxious or I'm not that like that's more the issue you know those waves and ripples being on top are actually a non issue if you can experience you know your serenity or the matrix or whatever you want to call it right they become a non issue cuz they're so much smaller but we don't always experience it that way but that's those are the teachings you know they're so much smaller and then enlightened people are people who have more or less permanently achieve that like they don't forget and what and what tantric teachings kind of say is like well that awareness expands and contracts but being contracted and still aware is different than being unaware they're very different so you've probably i think we've all experienced this where you're like you're kind of annoyed at something but you're not actually disturbed you know that feeling like you don't like it it's aggravating to you but your inner peace is in no way disturbed so for a lot of people not everyone but for a lot of people like children and pets are places where you can kind of see that clearly like you're mad at your dog for eating your shoe but you're not like really mad you know like you're not you're not angry in a deep way it's not it hasn't disturbed your your ability to be aware of like universal truths right because you got a puppy and and you knew the puppy was going to eat the shoe like back in the back of your head and it's not a surprise. Versus those times where like you kind of like lose your mind because like you drop a mug on your kitchen floor and it cracks and your inner peace is like destroyed because like you, you've lost all ability to stay present. And then with a lot of practice, those things like diminish, right? where people see that usually not usually but like common right it's like driving around or something like i've heard that so many times just working with people you know one day you get cut off by a drummer driver and it doesn't sort of disturb your inner peace (laughs) you know because you've developed this ability right to be more aware of that at all times It's a compartmentalization that allows you to see that serenity. Is what the texts are telling us. It gives you another chance to, like, for your mind to, like, sit where it wants to be sitting. But we all need techniques, right? I mean, I think everyone here does yoga, right? Like asana. Like, there's a reason you got into that, right? You felt better. It's a technique. So I've been thinking about this personally because I'm, I'm watching the world freak out. Anxiety is really picking up steam right now
0: next Brandt discusses the notion of good and evil in yoga and buddhist philosophy
2: it's not that there's no good and evil it's just that they're from the same place but when people talk about good and evil they talk about them as being opposites but it's not exactly that right because they have the same mother you know even in the Tao, actually it's i can't remember which passage but it says all that and then later on it's like a good person does this a bad person does this it's like almost like contradicting itself but if you sit with it a while you realize that one part saying we're all born from the same thing and the other part saying um you know they live in relationship to each other because of that there's so many causes and conditions as the buddhists would say to things and to pretend we know what they are is not really accurate you know it wasn't until i got a slight glimpse into the way things actually were
0: in this segment brant discusses having a shift in consciousness and our disconnection from nature
2: like i mean a lot of the teachers and sages over the years have pointed this out and it's like you never really want to say this out loud as a meditation teacher but i'm gonna there kind of has to be a a moment where you're, you get shifted. You know, there's, and it's available to everyone, but you can't control when you have to like kind of stay with it, but things happen where your mind gets changed and it feels like, I mean, the results are sort of like a reprogramming. And what's I think frustrating sometimes although it shouldn't be, and I know I shouldn't be frustrated, you know, based on all these teachings, but I am a little bit occasionally, is that that shift is very available. It's available to people, but there are a lot of forces, you know, in our world sort of working against that. And one of the big ones is our disconnection from nature. When you have big events in your life, it kind of forces you into sensory and feeling states that, that allow you to change and become very malleable in your mind. But our disconnection from nature is extremely numbing, numbing. We're so disconnected, you know, and sitting, you know, here's the upside, like the, like meditating gives you moments, right? Where you can just be in the, in the present in the field and the energetic field you're sitting in. And like you said, like most of your day, you don't feel any of that stuff because you're, you're being numbed. And sure, some of it's a coping mechanism, but it's not just that. It's that your sensory apparatus is being distracted. You know, so one of the things I did for myself is I went on a huge And this is a long time ago so it was it was even not as intense as it is now like a massive input and tech break and i did it in a city i mean i didn't listen to any news i didn't watch television i didn't you know i I really i barely talked on the phone i mean i i just did my thing and it was extremely powerful in terms of the evolution of my practice, you know?
1: When you're present, things are better, period, right? They're better, not the externals,
2: (laughs) but your internal state. And then we allow ourselves to be distracted
1: too much. And that's very nuanced, but you can't get distracted too much. You know, that's the lesson.
2: It's like we need to be reminded. We need to practice. And then outside our formal practice, we need to remember. So remembrance is important.
0: Next, Brandt discusses desire and the nature of desire from the tantric philosophical teachings.
2: What some would say, teachings would say, is because you haven't understood the nature of the desire that's making you say that. So understanding the nature of desire in general is one of the important things we do as humans to understand who we are. So when we're saying, this is it, like, you know, it's because we're desirous of something. And so the question we need to be asking is, well, what is it that we want? If it's something seems lacking, then we clearly want something, but what's at the root of that? And even though we make progress, we're still externalizing that. still trying to get it
1: Mm -hmm. just even the Mm -hmm. way you say it
2: right like this is it yeah look you're you're looking every you're looking in the wrong direction there's a there's another part which is then you look within and then that within becomes the what they become the same Mm -hmm. so the outer and the inner are actually different but the way we the process is turning that in on yourself it's like well if, if I seem to think something's lacking, what all the teachings say is like, there's something lacking in my own, like, I'm not understanding what I'm looking for. That's the thing you have to say to yourself, which is where those that whole, like, who am I practice comes from. Like, those teachers would say to you over and over again, if you were saying, like, I don't understand, is this it? And then all they would say to you is like, who's asking the question? You don't even know. You don't even know, you haven't looked in the right place yet. And that's not like a criticism, you know? It's more like a, it's a teaching, right? It's, <laughs> it's like you're trying to get satisfied by something that will never satisfy you. Okay. Because you don't even know, you can't be satisfied when you don't know what you want. I'm always like taken by, you know, like the really rich people who keep like getting money. Like really yeah, rich people, I think like about billionaires. They're <laughs> you know, like yeah. and they're like, I made another billion. What are billion. you doing? Like, yeah. What? What is it? But it's because they don't know what they want. It's just they've used yeah. they're using this thing because they don't have a better idea. I'm not like even criticizing them. It's just like clear you have no clue. You're just making money to make money. Like at some point, you know, you have as much as you I mean, there's not much more you can do with it. Um
1: and so we all have a money even if it's not money.
2: Right. It's just like that, an obvious example, right? But like you look at like, um, I don't know, there's the guy that runs Tesla, like Elon Musk. Mm-hmm.
1: You know,
2: he's clearly like not all about money. Mm-hmm. He's like making stuff. I'm not saying he's awesome. I don't know. But you know what I mean? Like clearly, clearly like, you know what I mean? It's not all about money, right? Like there's a drive to like, I don't know. Make cars that drive themselves, or whatever he's up to, or go to Mars, or you know, whatever's going on there. I guess my point is, someone like that might understand themselves a little more than the person next to them who's doing the same thing, just just for one thing, right? So everyone, everyone has desire because they're, and if you understand where the root of your desire comes from, then you'll understand everything you need to understand. That's what the Tantra teachings say. It's all about desire, which is we want love, but we don't understand what love is. And that's the issue.
0: And our final segment, Brant discusses freedom versus love and what is the difference between them from a yogic perspective?
2: We have baggage with words. So you have to keep like working with the words, you know, for yourself. But the teachings say they're the same because the freedom comes from the Tao, the innate, right? Serenity. And that's also where the love is. It's, it's, we desire, you know, this kind of merging with nature. And so as we go through our stages, it's like, I want to be free. So I have to get all the things out of the way, right? That are preventing that. So I'm going to move to Puerto Rico so I can like swim every day and then I'll be free. Right? Mm -hmm.
1: And then it kind (laughs) of works. It
2: it gives you some movement, right? It gives you some movement. Mm -hmm. And then that movement stops because you're still, you you know so it's like you're not that has not that will not give you your permanent freedom from fear of death you know <laughs> um but it might put you in a position where you feel like you can you can do more of the work but some teachings would say nothing like the confusion is your ego you don't need anything you're just confused and other teachings would say We all desire to be merged with nature, connected, love, freedom. We're all going for this thing, but they're all the same thing, right? We have to experience it. The only way to experience it is look inside yourself because you're not gonna find it outside yourself until you experience enough of it inside yourself that you can translate it. Like they're the same, right? So you can experience an external, what seemed to be external because There is nothing external to you for you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There are things external to you, everything, but for you, there is nothing external to you, right? Like you're you, so you're always going to experience things through your body, mind, spirit, but we're looking for those things. I mentioned this earlier, those moments that change us.
0: Thanks for listening to the Breathing Deeply Yoga Therapy and Meditation podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a positive review and sharing it with friends. For more information about our yoga therapy and meditation trainings and programs, visit breathingdeeply.com.